Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Adam Porter. Adam is the Chief Financial Officer for Muzzleman and Hall Contractors in Kansas City, Missouri. He is responsible for providing strategic oversight and leadership for the finance, information technology, and human resource functions of the organization. Adam grew up in Fremont, Nebraska, and received his undergraduate degree in finance from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and his MBA from the University of Missouri, Kansas City. He is also a licensed CPA. He resides in Olathe, Kansas with his wife, Amy, and their nine-month-old son, Dawson. Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, me too. Um, Today we'll be talking about problem solving. It's a critical skill and one that we can always improve upon. So let's get started. First, tell me about your career progression and how you got to where you are today. You know, I I find this interesting. I've, I've listened to a few people speak and um, hear different different stories, how they get to become a CFO. And, you know, a lot of it's taking the public accounting route and then kind of transitioning straight from there. I actually didn't like accounting in college. I, I'm, I graduated with a degree in finance from the University of Nebraska, and I took two accounting classes, and I just didn't like it. You know, just, I don't know what, it, what about it. it just didn't speak to me. And so I knew I was going to graduate with finance and move forward and got my first job out of school. But or just got my foot in the door as a billing analyst for a, a company here in Kansas City, and but always knew I wanted to be a CFO. And so, you know, I thought, you know, I'd work my way at the bottom, work hard, show people that I can really do things well and things like that. And staff accountant job opened up, and you know what? If I'm going to be a CFO someday, I probably need to understand accounting a little more than what I already do. So, took that job. Within a matter of six months, I was working the full financials, doing the full accounting for a subsidiary company. And I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed it because I felt, you know, the debits and credits that the accounting world lives in is really the end result. In my opinion, I enjoyed the accounting because you have to solve the problem and you utilize the debits and credits to help solve that equation. And so that's really kind of what gravitated me towards that. You know, I am a CPA now and, and things like that. But it, it's just interesting how I grew to where I was. I, you know, got to a point where the first company that I was at, I kind of felt, you know, there was it was a transition period with the company and some things were changing. And I wanted to make decide if I wanted to be a financial analyst and really kind of focus on analyzing and, and doing some of that stuff, or I wanted to, if I really wanted to be in the accounting corporate finance world. And, you know, I took a job with a, a public sector organization as a financial analyst and it didn't take me too long to realize that, no, I really want to be with a company that cares about the bottom line and really wants to maximize efficiency and profitability and just doing things the right way and look and, and people understanding and appreciating that, you know, income statement and balance sheet are important to the organization. And so, you know, kind of from there is kind of when I kind of gravitated, really kind of went full bore into the accounting world. And so, you know, with that, I decided, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to get my CPA license. So not having the under the total hours, I did have my MBA at that time, took online accounting classes and then sat for the exam while I was working full time and, you know, passed it successfully and kind of move on and went from senior accountant to manager of financial operations, director of accounting now to my current job, a different company 
as the chief financial officer for the last year and a half. So really kind of a different career path than probably what you see and probably what you've talked to of other CFOs where it's, you know, I feel like it's a lot of, you know, public accounting, really understanding the business, audit, internal audit, things like that. And I just kind of gravitate, gravitated towards, you know, and, and really, I, I, my opinion comes down to a lot about problem solving, which I know is one, one of the topics we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I know it wasn't like that maybe five or 10 years ago, but I find more and more often that it is the case that that CFOs didn't necessarily study accounting as an undergrad. So are there any particular stories or moves throughout your career that really stand out in your mind as, as turning points? Yeah, I think, you know, going back to, like, you know, the cross the cross section of whether I wanted to be a financial analyst or a staff or an accountant and just trying to be able to test both of those out. You know, I kind of had dip my toe in the water a little bit on the accounting side for, you know, a year and then dip my toe in the water on the financial analyst side and just realized that that was the thing for me. And, you know, the thing that really pushed me forward was committing and in my interviews for my staff or my senior accountant job at the uh, school that I was, that I was working at, uh, that I was interviewing for, telling them and, and making the point to say, I'm going to have my CPA license. I know it's not required, but it's important for me. It's important for the organization to have another person to have that designation, have that knowledge, go through what it takes to get that while while working. And you know, I think that just kind of proved to the leadership there that, you know, hey, this is probably the guy that can really get us going the right direction. So, you know, it's really a lot of that. I kind of think of, of turning points a little bit because that really kind of put me down the path and and really kind of opened my eyes and kind of gave me clarity on the path that I needed to to follow in order to get to my ultimate goal, which is to be a, a CFO. Yeah, and to me, that's amazing that you passed the CPA exam without an, an accounting undergrad. That's such a grueling test, and it speaks a lot to your commitment. So tell me about your current organization and, and what they do. Yeah, so my current organization, we're a construction company, been around uh, over 100 years in the area. In 2018, they actually converted to uh, an ESOP. So we had an ownership structure change there. I started August of 2019, so I wasn't there for the transition. But through that period, they kind of realized that, you know, we need somebody that can do a lot of things that has a little more expertise than what, you know, we previously had as a, you know, closely held organization. And here at the company, we do things as far as, you know, structural, foundational, concrete, all on the commercial side. And asphalt work, we do some railroad construction and maintenance for private customers. Um, we don't work a lot with the mainline railroads. But really, you know, we pride ourselves on being the quality relationship business. We're not there chasing the lowest price work and and things like that. So it's really a fun organization to be a part of because we value relationships, we value partnerships. And coming in as a CFO, evaluating relationships with different external organizations, it's making sure that we have partners that can help us grow. And you know, one of the things that I kind of look at and one of the reasons I was brought in and excited about was, hey, we need an overhaul here, you know? And so that spoke to my problem solving nature a little bit, so. And so, okay, let's talk about uh, your specific problem-solving skills. So what makes you a great problem solver and how do you think you developed these skills? I think I've always had it. And I don't, it, for me, I kind of think back to 
when I was younger and even things as simple as going from point A to point B and trying to get there the fastest way possible and knowing that if I take this turn versus that turn, I'm going to save a little bit of time. Funny story that I, that I have that I just happened to pop in my head was I remember when I turned 16 and I was driving our, our family minivan, you know, to and from our grandparents. And it was, you know, long stretch of interstate. And I, for some reason thought, you know what, if I hit all of the, if I'm always on the inside of the turns, we'll get there a little bit faster. You know, so I'm always trying to, you know, for, for whatever reason that spoke to me and I always seem to find efficiencies in, in things that I do. I always feel that I can, you know, find some of that stuff. And I think the biggest thing about that is just like, is just, challenging the standard a little bit and asking why and being able to not just ask why and be satisfied with the answer. You know, I've had somebody, you know, previous company that when I was kind of early on there, you know, trust, but verify was big, right? So, so, okay, well, why are we doing this? Well, it's the reason we've always done that. And while it may be the right answer, if we don't understand the why behind it, how do we know that's the right thing that we're doing? And what are the, the long-term impacts? And, and really challenging not only myself, but challenge the people around me that, that I'm talking with to think about that as well, because I can't fix everything. Getting people engaged and having them being part of the solution and seeing potential outcomes is really, is really there. And so, you know, frankly, it's it's a lot just doing a lot of it and not being afraid to dig into stuff and you've got to get your hands dirty. You can't be a problem solver by always being at the 50,000 foot view. And that's kind of one of the things that drove me to where I am today is when I got here, they needed me to be in the deep. They needed me to figure out how can we do this better? And as we continue to grow throughout our careers, yeah, we get farther and farther removed, but there's always that level of ability when you've been into the details of, hey, how can we do this better or why do we do this? So I think those are the questions that I always come back to and and just constantly focus on and making it a priority for our teams to be thinking about that as well. Yeah, I think it's so important as we move up the ladder is just to always be questioning why things are done the way they are and how can they be done better and just not getting comfortable with the status quo like so easy to do. Yeah, and I and I frankly tell my team I don't always have all the answers, you know, challenge me on something, you know, and, and that's the kind of culture that I've built is, you know, it's a very collaborative effort. It's not Adam says this to his employees and that's what gets done and there's no pushback. I get it. I appreciate it. I value it. You know, it, it, it's something that allows, you know, our organization to get better. Frankly, it helps my team get better at problem solving because they're not just saying, oh, I got this idea, but I can't really share it. And then they have no way to see it all the way through. So it's really kind of that 360 approach to really kind of push them back on, on both sides. And as a CFO, I'm sure you're problem solving on a daily basis. But can you tell us a little bit about the bigger problems that you've had to work through over the last few years? Yeah, I'll kind of go through a couple of different scenarios. You know, one previous company, I think, was a was a really kind of helped propel me to where I am today. It was kind of going through completely ERP system upgrade, and it was getting into every single process on how we need to do it differently and how it would affect the output and just all the different things that go into you know your finance and accounting and HR systems and really just trying to develop that. So systems-wise, that was a really big feather in my cap, just being able to, to do that. You know, as I as I came over, 
a year and a half ago, the biggest thing that I stepped into on day one, I had to go through and fix our, our GL structure, our financial reporting. You know, how do we know the information easily, how we're doing, what our, you know, how our bookings are doing, what our percent completion is doing, how we can actually, you know, trust the information that's in there. It just wasn't done in a way that I would expect and, and I would want my name next to. So I brought in a, a controller and her and I spent a lot of time restructuring our GL and making sure we have the right accounts and make sure, making sure they're, they're flowing the right way. You know, that took a good six months to be able to get to that and go through a budget process and then start being able to use that information to forecast. So that was really the big thing that I did when I stepped into this role was really just restructuring our, our GL to make sure that we could easily and effectively and efficiently provide financial data to our constituents, both internal and external. It just wasn't even set up in a way to where the internal leaders could see division department-specific information, you know, all the way down to the net income line. And so once we've had that, you would not believe how many more questions and how much more curiosity happens when, when, you, when you do that. And it's really, have really seen a change in the organization of, of caring because they can now see the information. So it's been, there's been a lot, but that's the one that sticks out in my mind because it was just so critical to the success of, of our department. And when you're problem solving, how do you ensure that you've identified the true problem and not just a symptom? In other words, how do you know that you've gotten to the root cause? Yeah, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's trial and error. Sometimes you know, but again, I think as we kind of talked before, it's, it's continuing to dig in, continuing to ask the question. And sometimes it's it's not just me. It's, it's having some other people in the room that have a different perspective on something. And we do a really good job here of our executives get together at least once a week and we're really close and we really are really here to help people because we all know that we all have something different to come in. You know, it's not just Adam coming in and fixing. It's not just risk management coming in and talking about safety and policies and, and things like that. We all have different lenses and that we can view things through. And, and, and that's how we, we really as a company come together to find the true problem and the true root cause. As more of the accounting perspective, um, yeah, it's probably digging in, getting all the way to the transactional level. That's how we know, right? Like, and then having conversations, where does that transaction come in? Is it from you know, a project manager or an estimator? And why did it come in this way? And it's really just, again, the, you know, those, five, those five basic questions that we all learned growing up you know, answer and help in so many ways. And what does your problem solving process look like? Uh, where and how do you start? Yeah, that is, <laughs> how you start is kind of interesting. It, it's one of those things, sometimes it's you get a phone call or it's you stumble across something or you read something. You know, I, I get a lot of information. I, I, you know, from, you know, the I listen to CNBC every every day and on the way to work just to kind of see what's going on in the world. And sometimes you hear people speak and you're like, wait a second, how does that apply to me? What are we doing about that? And then you kind of just start going down this rabbit hole of, hey, what can we do? How can we do this? Or are we covered? Are we not? What's our risk? And it's really just kind of just absorbing, absorbing as much as you can from all different areas, you know, just listening to people. You know, I walk around and 
and try to get out on job sites as much as I can and walk around our different office locations and multiple cities and just kind of hear people's problems. You know, they're the ones that are doing the work. They're the ones that are making us successful. And so getting an understanding and hearing them out to where a, it, they feel like they have a voice in the organization, which is always a great thing. We never want to, you know, to curb that, but, but two, they're, they're the ones that are really having the problem and everybody, and that's not, it may not be their expertise to fix it. Right. And that's where myself and our other management team can kind of step in and be like, okay, here's a problem that I'm, that I'm hearing. We, we bring it up and kind of go from there. We actually, as a company are developing, we, we're calling it a think tank meeting once a quarter where anybody in the organization can bring something. What should we be doing that we're not? What should we stop doing that we are? And a lot of times what that will result in is, hey, we're doing the right stuff, but people just don't know why. And once they know why, then they're they're on board. So we've got a couple of different ways that we, we start collecting that information to kind of get that. And once you've got the problem, then you get the right people in the room to start figuring out, okay, who's, who's the key partners here? Is it somebody's division? Is it somebody's department? Is it an executive level you know, strategy? Do we need some legal advice? You kind of just kind of go case by case basis and start figuring out, okay, who are the players on the team that need to be involved in this? And then you kind of start going down, down the road there. So I know you've already touched on this a bit with uh, the importance of teamwork and getting the right people in the room, but so how do you make sure that you put together the right team, both to solve the problem and then make sure things run smoothly once the problem's been fixed? Yeah, the team is big. I think it's big in whatever you're doing. And yeah, it's my job to continue to evaluate the team. You know, the team that is in place when I arrived a year and a half ago is not going to be the same team that also is here today that will also be here in two years and three years and five years because people have different different thoughts and different goals. And, you know, sometimes those don't align with the organization and it's not a bad thing. It's just, it is what it is sometimes. But, you know, I think you always have to be constantly evaluating the team and making sure that you're setting people up for success, trying to give them opportunities where they see opportunity within the organization at a promotional level and finding ways to keep good employees and, you know, coaching those employees that maybe they're falling short and, and not being afraid of having those conversations. You know, I think it's, it's a little bit of, you know, it's, it's practice what you preach also, you know, so if I'm, if I'm exhibiting the right behaviors, then my team will exhibit those behaviors because they see that it's important. And, you know, I think you're always going to have to have that good mix of the people that are kind of keeping the day to day and the people that they're really more your strategic level staff. And I'm always going to push that the strategic level staff needs to be in the details to understand and to have that team aspect because we're all one team. So everybody needs, has a job and they all kind of need to do their own things. But at the end of the day, we all need to be cross-trained as well as we can. So we can kind of help out. And, you know, and frankly, that, that goes a long ways to keeping things run, running smoothly, you know, and that's continuity and being customer service. I, I preach that a lot to our, you know, to our vendors, to our employees, to our customers, the only way we do that the best way is if everybody's pulling in the same direction and everybody understands what their roles are, what other people's roles are, and you know how help out is necessary. Yeah, and I'm sure the cross-training is great for bringing a fresh set of eyes to a process. Yeah, for sure. And you know that's that's the piece that 
I can share with people. It's like, hey, like it's okay that somebody's going to come in and learn your job because they might find a way that you've been doing this for the last five years this one way because that's how you were trained. That's how you were, you were, it made sense to you. It, it felt efficient. You bring somebody else in and, and we're going to make your job easier, you know, like, and you can then do more. You can take on more stuff, which then allows me to say, hey, then we can promote you, you know, because that, that's how you get to the next level is by taking on more stuff. And so, yeah, I, you're 100% right. It's those new, fresh eyes and it's challenging. And, you know, sometimes it's a lot of work for the new person to come in and try and figure everything out. But, you know, it's, it's a lot of that stuff. The other thing we're trying to do is, you know, develop process documentation and kind of having everybody kind of own that because I found throughout my years, as you develop processes and you write them down on paper, you find one or two steps you're like, I'm not really sure why I do that. And so not only just from an, a, a good educational standpoint, a good documentation perspective, perspective to have that, it does actually help the problem solving process by doing having good uh, documented procedures. Yeah, totally agree. And how do you encourage your employees to be creative and innovative when it comes to problem solving? Yeah, I think it's it's something to where, you know, it's rewarded by having just conversations with myself. We're not we're not a huge department, right? So I'm heavily involved. I understand everybody and understand what's going on and a lot of times, all anybody's asking for, and all, all they really want is a kudos or a congratulations or, or a good job. That was really awesome. Here is what the company is going to benefit. And I think to keep people invested in understanding what's going on, always understanding the end result and how it affects the entire organization. Sure, I saved two steps here, but what does that really mean? When you can kind of lay it out, well, that means that these two people don't have to do this so they can be more efficient on their time. And the job mix more is more profitable. And so we are able to kind of share some of that insight with them. That allows them to, oh, wow, so then I actually have an impact to our profitability and maybe getting more work and having more customers. And it's really buying them in and getting them bought into the overall big picture. You know, the, the more we can do, the better it is. And it's also a lot of education. I'm not going to lie there. It's it's educating that time is an investment. Yes, it may take you five hours to come up with a new way to do something, but if it saves you 30 minutes a day, four days a week, you've saved how much time over the course of the year that we can be doing other things. And, you know, again, people always kind of gravitate what's important to me. It's, it's being able to lay that out and you know, it's not just a one-time conversation either. It's continuing in team meetings and in different conversations of how important is it, what's the benefit, and things like that. It's just really getting to who they are as a as an individual and making them and getting them to understand the bigger picture. And one of the hardest steps of fixing a process is change management. So how do you overcome organizational resistance and get people to start doing things in a new way once something's been fixed? Yeah, great question. And that's something that every organization, no matter how successful, struggles with in some manner. You know, the biggest thing that we can do, and again, I kind of learned this going through different system implementations from, you know, my, my previous company was making sure you're, you're bringing in the right people as you're developing the process. So we're implementing some things from an IT perspective and 
making sure the different field supervisors and the different divisions are a part of that group. And when it comes to things about just different incentive plans that we're working on to help drive productivity and promote efficiency and profitability, bringing in the people that are the end stakeholders. You know, you've got you to bring in the right mix of people. And, and the way that, that I've done that here is, you know, asking, you know, the division leadership, hey, could you nominate somebody, somebody to help out with this? And then I get to tell that the, those groups of people, hey, you've been nominated to be part of this solution. You know, that gets them buy-in right away. And then they can kind of see this whole thing as a, as a positive rather than something that the CFO wants to change because we're not making enough money or, or something like that. But, you know, that's my, that's my, um, <laughs> my view sometimes. But it's really getting buy-in throughout the entire process and communicating and, and encouraging them to communicate to their peers that, hey, this is going on. Let me know what questions you have. And the more people you can involve, the better your your change is gonna is gonna be received, and we just learned that the hard way as an organization. And you know, it's things that I have to overcome. You know, as I lead not only accounting but I lead IT and human resources. Just bringing people in to help out with the solution because they just they want to they feel like they have ideas and they want to know that hey, this isn't just coming down from the top, it's a, it's a, it's a solution based and a, a company based solution, um, I should say. And I think, again, that helps the overall, uh, the overall buy-in. Yeah. I think that's really great advice. I, I feel like people want to be part of the change and not just have change forced down upon them. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, it's, and sometimes like, like myself, sometimes it's hard to even think through that if you haven't been through that process of, well, I've been this problem solver. I think I know what's right, uh, what the right thing to do is, and you just lose the the one the one little small scenario that if you had somebody else bring up while you're going through the process change, probably could have fixed something. It probably would have a helped with morale on the rollout. Might maybe would have been a better process. And if you thought it was better, now you have to go and change something again. So yeah, it it just helps in so many ways by encouraging that and. And again, it's hard, especially as you kind of been, you've you've grown up as the problem solver and and then the leader. And it's like, okay, well, I know this, yeah, I know this, and but you know, it's all about the team. When at the end of the day, you know, company culture, morale, doing things the right way, working as a team, like all of the, those things, trump just being the the dictator, the dictator role, and you know, pushing people to their breaking points to squeeze every bit of profitability out of out of a job or out of a process. And, you know, it's such a longer lasting way to, to do business. And, you know, our, our, our culture is definitely embracing it. And are there specific tools or technologies that you find to be particularly helpful these days? You know, it's just, it's just collecting data. You know, I think we use Excel, Google for spreadsheets and, and just trying to capture as much data as we can. That to me is the biggest differentiator as we're trying to communicate these solutions to people or why we're, why we're changing this is, you know, if we, if we have the data captured from the beginning point, being able to understand it, to analyze it, to think through it, what does it mean? And then go through this change process and then showing how the data has changed in a positive way. Again, another great way to be able to communicate and to get buy-in. 
And so, so really for me, it's really just making sure you know, you've got the right people, you've got the, you've got the data to help support um, your solutions. And, and frankly, if there's something you're not tracking, start tracking it. You know, it, it's hard to, you know, always go back, you know, three months, six months, two years on the data. But if you don't start tracking something that's important, you're never going to be able to really see and prove out the benefit. You're always just going to have, yeah, my gut says this, this worked well, but you don't really know. Um, and so as much, as much of that as we can as, as an organization and, and, you know, just asking for feedback. You know, my tools and technologies that I really feel like are most important is just communication asking and listening and and having conversations with people what's important to them yeah communication is one tool that will never go away for sure (laughs) and lastly on a more personal note what's one goal that you're hoping to achieve this year either personally or professionally yeah so i'll do one of each that's it's always a fun question to to think about and making sure that we're 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 completing our goals you know post-covid you know my wife and i have a nine month old and, you know, trying to maybe do something for ourselves and maybe get away a little bit later this summer or this fall and just kind of being, being mindful about doing so. So that's kind of my, my personal one and just being able to recharge. Professional goal is, you know, I've got, I've got a strategic hire that I'm, that I'm just starting the process and I'm really excited about it. The company is really excited about it. They weren't excited about it a year and a half ago when I started. And now the rest of the company is just, Adam, why are we not hired this position yet? And yeah. so I'm excited to get that going. It'll take some um, some work off of my plate at a more detailed level, allow me to be a little more strategic. But but other than that, the company will just see tremendous benefits out of it. And so I'm excited to get that going and get that hopefully crossed off the list here in the next couple of months. Yeah, that's awesome. I love both of those. And with a nine-month-old, so important that you, you do take time for, for you and your wife. So For sure. Adam, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was fun. I appreciate the conversation and, you know, always enjoy talking about problem solving. (laughs) Yeah, I really enjoyed our discussion and getting to know you and hearing about your experiences. And problem solving is an area that we all need to continue to grow in. And you've given us some really great advice today. To all of our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed today's discussion as well. And I hope you'll tune in next week. Until then, take care of yourselves and have a great week. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personiv.com. Thanks for listening.